4 and 5 make April 5th, and this is the 95th day of 2021. For many, this is spring break, but there's no break from the spring that is local and regional government. Charlottesville Community Engagement exists to help you keep track of what's happening when you're ready. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, for another look at some things that have taken place in the recent past, as well as some things that are coming up soon. On today's show, Charlottesville hires a deputy manager for racial equity, diversion, and inclusion. Area counties consider a cigarette tax. Charlottesville police seek help in addressing a string of shootings this past weekend. And the Environmental Resilience Institute at the University of Virginia begins its Climate Ambition Summit tomorrow. In today's Patreon field shout-out from an anonymous supporter, it may seem like we just had an election, but 2021 is once again a city, county, and state election year. Party primaries are coming soon on June 8th. The deadline to register to vote or update an existing registration is Monday, May 17th. Thanks again for that Patreon-fueled shout-out. Charlottesville has hired its first-ever deputy city manager for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion. Ashley Reynolds Marshall is currently the chief executive officer of the YWCA of Central Virginia, headquartered in Lynchburg. Marshall is a Roanoke native with degrees from Hollins University, the William & Mary School of Law, and Virginia Tech, where she is currently pursuing a Ph.D. in public administration and policy. The new position will oversee the Human Services and Social Services Departments as well as the Police Civilian Review Board and the Office of Human Rights. Marshall begins work on May 10, 2021. The city is also seeking a new city attorney, a neighborhood services development director, a social services director, and a deputy city manager for operations. All but the latter had those positions close on Friday. The Charlottesville Police Department issued a press release this afternoon asking for community support in the wake of a series of shootings so far this month. The release lists four incidents where officers reported to shots fired. One man was shot Sunday evening in the 100 block of Hammond Street, a cul-de-sac in the Fry Spring neighborhood. In addition to the major events over the weekend, CPD responded to three additional shots fired calls, three stolen vehicles, 29 disorders, and numerous mental health-related calls. The cases are under investigation. Last Thursday on April 1st, the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission got an update on the possibility of a regional cigarette tax. The TJPDC is leading efforts to create a body that would collect and distribute the revenues to participating localities. The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors had received an update at their budget work session on March 22nd. Lori Alshaus is the Director of Budget and Performance Management for Albemarle County. Um, During the 2020 General Assembly, they authorized the county to impose a cigarette tax of up to 40 cents per pack for counties. Uh, Up until this time, only Virginia cities, Virginia towns, and Arlington and Fairfax County were able to impose a cigarette tax. If Albemarle proceeds with going through the various steps to levy the tax, any revenues would go to the general fund. Those steps include adoption of an ordinance following a public hearing. The tax has also been reviewed by the county's Office of Equity and Inclusion. So as part of that process, we began our consideration of this proposed tax by seeking first 
to understand who could be most affected uh, by this tax and how could those impacts uh, be experienced and mitigated. Research on the topic found that the cigarette tax would impact the poor more strongly, as well as Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Jason Inafuentes is a project and policy associate in OEI who cited a University of Pittsburgh study on the effects of taxation and smoking rates. Where you see the highest decrease in smoking is in the highest incomes. There is overall some amount of decrease. There isn't, however, any decrease in noticeable decrease in low-income communities. If implemented, the goal is to have all localities in the area impose the tax, so no one locality has a competitive advantage. David Blunt is the legislative liaison for the TJPDC, and he addressed the Board of Commissioners on Thursday. Uh, I think from here, uh, we see that following this meeting, uh, within the next week or so, that we would send out uh, some materials to every jurisdiction in our region, which which would be the city and the five counties, as well as the four towns uh, that are part of our region, Um, but also casting the net a little bit wider uh, to some of the counties that adjoin uh, you all, adjoin our member counties. Blunt is asking localities to consider resolutions to express interest in participating and to authorize their staff to participate in the discussion. Certainly not asking anybody at this point to commit to anything. Um, and, you know, commit to participating or committing to any, anything beyond just an interest. Um, I think by the time we get to summertime, with uh, June and July rolling around, we really want to be looking at what does this regional board look like, whether it's functions, what's the makeup of the board, um, um, you know, what is the legal framework, those types of things. Green County Supervisor Dale Herring said his locality was interested. And I think that the TJPDC, which you're doing, that's the direction we need to go in. Fluvanna's representatives also said that they were interested. Albemarle Supervisor Donna Price told the TJPDC that her county wants to pursue the regional approach. We don't anticipate that the revenue that's generated is going to be significant enough to result in a reduction of property taxes. No referendum would be required if localities agree. More information as it becomes available. At the end of the TJPDC meeting, commissioners from all six localities had the chance to give updates. Jesse Rutherford is on the Nelson County Board of Supervisors. Real quick, just want to say we're looking at lowering our uh, machine tools tax as well as lowering our personal property tax. The public hearing for Nelson County's $41.7 million budget is scheduled for May 4th, with adoption expected on May 11th. Tommy Barlow is on the Louisa County Board of Supervisors. We're still struggling along with that budget, uh, trying to figure out what to do with that and get it resolved. Louisa's proposed budget does not appear to be available on the county's budget website. Adoption is expected on April 19th. Albemarle has completed their cycle of five budget work sessions and adoption is scheduled for May 5th. We were able to um, cancel the last work session that we were going to have on the budget. Um, We're looking at getting about $10 million on the first tranche of funds from the federal government. And in May, uh, same amount next year. Um, We know that at some point, the federal government can't continue to be providing those funds, but they really have been a lifesaver for us this year. 
Fluvanna County will have its public hearing on its budget on April 14th, with adoption scheduled for April 21st. Their proposed budget is based on a property tax rate of 88.4 cents per $100 of assessed value, down from the current rate of 92.5 cents. Tony O'Brien is a member of the Board of Supervisors in Fluvanna. In our budget, we've included a um, taking out a loan for about $25 million um, to uh, work on a new administration building and upgrade some of our fire and rescue vehicles, as well as a uh, sheriff and just county vehicles and buses as well, too. Dale Herring gave an update on Green County's budget. Our tax rate will stay the same. Our assessments did go up. We would have probably have looked at possibly at lowering our taxes this year if it wasn't for our debt associated with our RSA, Direct Answer Service Authority, or our Water Authority. For more details on that issue, read Terry Beji's story on the ongoing issue. The Greene County Board of Supervisors convened this afternoon to vote on a resolution requesting that Orange and Madison counties allow Green to leave the Rapidan Service Authority. The RSA objects to a plan to impound White Run to create a new reservoir and did not allow Green to use a facility fee that had been charged to cover the cost of the project. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you for listening. And there is no public service announcement here just now, but with a subscription to the program, you can find out how you can put your money to work to shout out a nonprofit. Contact me for more details, and I look forward to hearing from you. Now back to the show. The application window opened today on a new grant program Albemarle County is offering to a specific industry affected by COVID-19. The Albemarle Agribusiness Resiliency Grant Program is aimed at farms and agricultural operations who have been hit by the downturn. Awards of up to $10,000 are available for direct market agribusinesses, such as orchards, wineries, cideries, and more. Here's a couple of lines from the pre-application. One of our region's greatest assets is the wealth of local farms, food businesses, and the resilience of our food system. COVID-19 has caused the system to be challenged in ways unimaginable. The window for this grant opportunity closes on April 21st. Finally today, local governments in the area, as well as the University of Virginia, have set ambitious goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions 45% by 2030, and to be carbon neutral by 2050. Tomorrow, the Environmental Resilience Institute at UVA begins a series of virtual events designed to help connect many of the pieces together. Karen McLothery is the director of ERI. We decided to call it the Climate Ambition Summit because we have ambitious goals that we need to reach by 2050 if we're going to have any chance of bending the curve with regard to climate change and climate warming. At 1.30 in the afternoon, UVA Provost Liz McGill will interview environmental sciences professor Scott Doney on what's been learned in the last five years since the latest report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Frontiers of climate science, essentially, is what we're calling it. You know, what's happened in the last five years in terms of climate research that can really help us develop realistic strategies to address climate change. So both in terms of reducing the amount of carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere, but also taking it out of the atmosphere. 
The next event in the series is on Friday at 2 p.m., and we'll explore climate risk and the opportunity for private capital. A climate justice panel will be held on April 13th at 2 p.m. Um, so we'll be thinking about, you know, every every climate change issue is an environmental justice issue. So both on the local scale, but also on a broader regional and national scale. The final event in the four-part series is another interview between a top UVA official and an expert in the field. The final event we have in this series is a conversation between President Jim Ryan and Dr. Arun Majumdar from Stanford University, who was the head of the transition team for President Biden for the Department of Energy. And so they're going to be having a conversation about how can we as a society meet these ambitious uh, net zero carbon goals um, in the future. The events are all open to the public and will be recorded, very much in keeping with how our lives have been lived in the past year. McGlathery said there are lessons to be learned from the pandemic. What the pandemic has taught us is that it's possible to come together to address a broad societal issue that's urgent and that seems almost insurmountable in the beginning, but the success with coming up with a vaccine in such a short time period shows us that it's possible to have a global strategy, to have a national strategy. Visit the Environmental Resilience Institute's website to learn more. And that's it for today's installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Special shout out right now to the Valley Research Center for all of the wonderful music that you are hearing. And another special shout out to the originator of the opening theme, PJ Sykes. He is a musician in Richmond, and uh, uh, I paid him for that song back in 2006 or 2007, and I finally got a chance to use it each and every day in this program. So thanks, PJ, and thanks to the Valley Research Center for all you've done for us so far. If you have enjoyed this program, the most important thing you can do today is send it on to somebody else, uh, either the written form or the podcast form. Both are growing in terms of audience, but they could stand to be grown a lot more. So word of mouth is very good here. And, uh, you know, that's what I'd like to do. Word of mouth is very important. Also important is staying safe out there. So please go back. So please continue to follow all the guidelines and keep each other safe out there. And uh, let's enjoy the rest of the spring safely and look forward to the future. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement.